Good morning. Good morning and welcome to chapel on this chilly, snowy, cold day. <clears throat> I want to welcome you here. Um, I want to make one announcement, though. Um, this morning, um, College Mennonite Church will be having a memorial service in this space at 11 a.m., so um, it will be good for us to vacate after chapel as soon as we can, at least out of this space, um, so that they can come in and set up for that for their 11 a.m. service. Behind me, you see um, a collage of sorts, a banner that was constructed from last Friday's hope papers that you all would have written, words that described how you've claimed hope or seen hope or experienced hope on this campus, um, words and also images that you may have drawn as well. We have it up here this morning. Um, we're still thinking about a good place where to put this on campus just so you can take a closer look at what, what you all have written and said about hope on this campus. This morning, um, we are delighted to have with us Sister Lynn Smith from the Benedictine Women of Madison. Sister Lynn was called to the spiritual life as a young girl, telling her mother that she wanted to become a nun when she grew up. While her mother told her that only Catholic women could become nuns, because she was not Catholic, Sister Lynn continued to feel a call to give her life in service to God and others. And later on in life, Lynn became a Presbyterian pastor and led parishes in Kansas and Iowa for over 15 years before discovering the Benedictine women of Madison. She visited Holy Wisdom Monastery and soon began to attend retreats with the sisters and explore the different resources for spiritual development at the monastery. Sister Lynn felt that she had found her heart's home in the sisters' community and decided to start the journey of becoming a community member. And so, in 2000, she made her profession to the community as the first Protestant member of this Catholic community. She is active at the monastery and at events around the country. She currently works as a director of membership, playing a vital role in helping women recognize and explore their own vocational callings. Now, Sister Lynn will share more of her story in the chapel here later on. But after chapel today, if you want to engage her in further conversation about her experiences in the community, or also their community's work with environmental stewardship, education, and also a green building that is currently being built on their premise, you're welcome to meet with her in Java Junction after chapel. She will also be in Java Junction tomorrow afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. that you can stop by and chat with her for an informal chat regarding those items as well. So I invite you to, to, to engage her in further conversation. After our prayer and lighting of the lamp, we will sing two songs. And the first song is found in your Blue Hymnal Worship Book in number one. And it is titled, What is This Place? I remember well a dozen or so years ago when I started to learn this song that I thought, wow, this song powerfully articulates my Anabaptist theology and, and, uh, and, and faith. And it wasn't until several years later that I learned that this, what I thought was a good Mennonite hymn, was actually a good Catholic hymn. The text of this hymn was written after Vatican II Council in the mid-60s, and the text was written in 1968. So I have learned to really appreciate this good Catholic hymn as it really resonates with my understandings of faith. The second song is titled, who, uh, Wind Who Makes All Winds, and it'll also be found in your blue hymnal on number 31. 
And this song reminds us that the Holy Spirit is that active, vibrant agent of the Trinity that perpetually works at binding us Christians all together. It is the same spirit that was present at the Pentecost that is at work among us today, regardless of our faith traditions, our similarities, our differences, our support with each other. This text was written by Thomas Troger in 1983, and Troger himself is kind of an innate ecumenical person. He is an ordained pastor, ordained in both the Presbyterian Church and also in the Episcopalian Church. So it is with joy that we will sing this song, reminding us of the Holy Spirit's work, a song written by this Presbyterian Episcopalian individual. Now, as we continue with our chapel service this morning, may we be reminded and guided by the Holy Spirit who blows on this campus in ways that seek to bind us as pilgrims of faith on a journey together. Let us pray. God of many traditions and of many faith traditions, we welcome you into this space. We pray that you move in Lynn's words, as she shares with us, shares with us learnings of living in an ecumenical community. Open our eyes and ears that we might hear and see that some of her learnings might have relevance here on our campus as to how we all from different traditions live with one another in this space. Amen. Hymn number 31, and I'll ask Deb Kaufman to play through the entire hymn one time. Mm -hmm. 
Psalm 34, verses 11 through 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of God. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Psalms 34, 11 to 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy it? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Psalm 34, verses 11 through 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Good morning. I want to thank you and especially thank uh, Pastor Bob Yoder for inviting me here this morning. I am grateful for the opportunity to speak with you. As um, Bob said, I'm a member of an ecumenical community in Madison, Wisconsin. For, for us, uh, ecumenical means that we invite women from different Christian denominations to live together in community. And we're Benedictine, which means we follow the rule of Benedict. That rule is a guide that was written in the sixth century before there were any divisions in the Christian churches. So it's a really good guide for a group of Christians to live together from different denominations. And I'm going to share with you a little bit some of the values that are in the rule of Benedict that we follow as I talk about some of the learnings that I've had being uh, living in this community for the past 10 years. And I understand that the community here at Goshen is ecumenical. You're from different Christian denominations. And so perhaps you will be able to resonate with some of the things that I've discovered. First of all, I've learned living in community that communication is one of the most important um, aspects to learn when we're living together. And it's not just living in community, obviously communication is important in any relationship. In the rule of Benedict, uh, Benedict says, he starts the rule with the word listen. He says, listen my child, listen carefully to my teaching. Listen with the ear of your heart. Now, I think he had in mind the first verse of the psalm that was read uh, this morning. Listen, my child, to learn the fear of God. So one of the first things we do in Benedictine life is listen to one another. But it's not just any kind of listening. It's listening with the ear of the heart. So what's that like? Well, I'll tell you a story from my life in community about that. Several years ago, in a meeting when we were doing some planning, 
um, I got upset and I got into an argument with one of the sisters about how we were doing this planning. Actually, I was feeling sort of excluded, but I didn't really say that. I just got into arguing about the process that we were using. Well, the argument continued after the meeting and the sister came in to talk to me about it and take issue with the point I'd been making. Because in fact, when I thought about it later, what I'd said hadn't even been true. Uh, but it's just it's, it, what, what came to my mind at the time because I was already upset. Well, I got upset with her coming into my office and saying, you know, well, questioning what I was raising in the meeting. But it came time for prayer and so we went off to prayer and it was the end of the day. And as Benedictines, we reflect on the day at the, the end of each day. So I spent some time writing in my journal about this and, and it wasn't done for me. And I was getting more and more riled up actually as I was writing in my journal, you know. So the next morning, every morning we have a community meeting where we come together and we talk about the day ahead of us and we can raise you know, issues as we want. So I raised this argument from yesterday and I got into it again. And we're going back and forth and back and forth, but it, it just seemed to me like we were not connecting. I, I kept trying to make my point and she kept saying, you know what, I just don't get that. And uh, finally, th there are three sisters in our community, you should know that, three sisters. I'm Presbyterian, the other two are, are Roman Catholic. And the third sister had been sitting there listening to us and finally she interrupted me and she said to me, Lynn, Joanne needs you to care about her and she needs you to minister to, to, to her one another, once in a while. That's what she's trying to say. Stop me in my tracks. I thought I was talking about strategic planning, you know, and what we'd been doing. <laughs> well, I hadn't been hearing her at all. And Mary David, our third sister, was listening with the heart. She was listening to, to Joanne's feelings, what was underneath her words. And I was so riled up, I didn't hear any of it. I didn't hear my own heart. So, stopped the conversation right there. And I went back to my office and I thought about it and I thought, oh yeah, sure enough. As I, as I remembered the kinds of things she'd been saying to me over the, the last two days, this was about my expressing my care for her. It wasn't about strategic planning at all. So I got myself settled down and I wrote a little note to her. And because I'd finally heard that what she needed was me to care about her. I bought a plant because she likes flowers. And I took her the plant and this card that I wrote and I apologized to her for not listening to what she was really saying. And by that time, when I'd finally heard her, then it's like she smiled and I mean, the whole thing was over. She just wanted me to hear what was on her heart. And actually, after that whole conflict and the resolution of it, the two of us grew deeper. 
The connection was stronger between us. So I've, I've learned that that listening with the heart is really important. And that it's one of the ways to get through conflict as well. In her book, Turning to One Another, Margaret Wheatley says, we can change the world if we start listening to one another. She says, as we share our different experiences, we discover a sense of unity. Be intrigued by the differences you hear. Remember, you don't fear people whose story you know. You've probably found that true in your life, is you've gotten to know people who are different from you. When you hear their story, they become friends, or at least you're not afraid anymore. That's a really important learning in an ecumenical community in, in our world today, where there is so much diversity. The second thing I've learned in community has to do with thorns of contention. Benedict tells us in his rule to pray the Lord's Prayer twice a day, morning and evening prayer, when the community comes together. And I think it's because he wanted them to remember that phrase that says, forgive us as we forgive. Because you know, you live with anybody, your family, your roommate, in the community, and relationships get messy once in a while, just like the story I told. And forgiveness goes a long way to building up community. Benedict knew a lot about thorns of contention in community. In the first community where he lived, he was invited to join the community and become their leader. And at first he refused. He said, no, 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 you really don't want me. I, this, is, this would not be a good arrangement. But they prevailed upon him. And Benedict was a pretty strict leader at the beginning of his time in community. And it turned out, sure enough, they didn't want him. He was too strict. So what happened was, uh, one day at lunch, they put poison in his wine to get rid of him. Thorns of contention. And Benedict said the blessing over the meal, and his cup of wine broke into pieces. The wine spilled on the ground, and he was spared. Needless to say, he left the community right after that. Thorns of contention spring up in our lives all the time. It's part of life. But forgiveness goes a long way in healing those divisions. Forgiveness and compassion are part of the glue of community that holds us together. It's part of the glue of any relationship. The third thing I've learned about life in an ecumenical community has to do with humor. It's really good to be able to laugh at ourselves. 
not take ourselves too seriously. Benedictines enjoy life and one another. We just don't do it at one another's expense. You know, there are different kinds of laughter. There are those uh, ethnic jokes that sort of make fun of people from other cultures. Benedict would shy away from those. He says, you don't laugh at other people. He wants us to have a high respect and regard for one another. That also goes a long way in an ecumenical community. Benedict asks us to receive everybody as Christ. And just as we wouldn't tell a joke about Christ and put him down, so we don't do that about other people and put the Christ in them down. But still, we, we laugh. We have a good time in community. And sometimes that humor helps us to become humble. You know, humor and humble and human, all those words are, share a, a common root. Humility is really important in our ecumenical community, in any Benedictine community, and sometimes laughter helps us to be humble. Again, a story from my life. And you have to know that for a long time in my life, I prided myself on doing things right and being really helpful. So one day, the three of us were working in our garden. We have large vegetable gardens. We were hoeing and uh, putting mulch around the plants to keep the weeds down. But we had run out of mulch. And so Lynn, the helper, decided I was going to get our um, riding lawnmower and cut the, the tall grass that was next to the garden so we could use that as mulch and finish the job that afternoon. So I trundle off to get our lawn tractor. And uh, the path that I was going to have to go down was flooded because we'd had a lot of rain that summer. So I decided, all right, I'll take a higher path. It goes around the prairie in our property. And I knew sometimes that path was wet, but I thought, oh, it's shorter. It'll take me less time to go there than to go all the way around the prairie. So I hopped on the mower, and I get up onto this path, and I'm going as fast as I can. Next thing you know, the mower's slowing down, and the wheels begin to spin, and all of a sudden, I'm stuck. Turns out that path wasn't dry either. So I put it in reverse, and I rev up the engine, and back and forth, and back and forth, and I succeed in burying the, the mower blades in the mud. And now, nobody's going to get the tractor out. So I get off the tractor, go to the garden, tell the sisters what I'd done, which meant we couldn't finish the mulch, the mulching that day, and the tractor was stuck overnight in the mud until our groundskeeper could get it out the next day. So the groundskeeper went out the next day. He had a volunteer with him. He, they, they both decided this was so funny, they took pictures of it, mired in the mud. And it was, it was quite something for them to get it out. So they took pictures of them getting it out. And then they brought those into lunch to show everybody what I'd done 
and they are laughing and, you know, look at Sister Lynn and here we work so hard to get it out. I mean, I was embarrassed. I was angry at myself. I didn't think it was so funny at the beginning. Finally, I decided, you know, join the human race. That's not such a bad deal. I mean, it is actually pretty funny how I got it stuck there. And I let go of my need to do things right and be this great helper in the community. You know, it's just better to be a human being and acknowledge our foibles sometimes. That, that ability to laugh at ourselves goes a long way, again, to building up community. People feel like, you know, you're one of them. You're not somebody high and mighty up here going to save the world, you know, with a lawn tractor. Living in an ecumenical community is a great joy for me. And I hope that it is for you at the time that you're here um, in Goshen. It's a great gift to learn from one another's tradition, to hear each other's stories, to be able to laugh at ourselves and grow together in forgiveness, in the love of Christ. Living in an ecumenical community is a great witness to the fact that the body of Christ is one. We may be divided up, but there really is only one body of Christ. And I've found that listening with the heart and offering forgiveness and laughing at myself go a long way to building up that body. I'd be interested to hear what you've learned living here in an ecumenical campus setting. And as Bob said, I'll be in the Java Junction after chapel today and tomorrow afternoon. I'd like to hear your stories because I'd like to know what you've learned, know what you're um, seeking when you're here. So thank you for this opportunity to talk with you today, and I look forward to talking with you some more. Thank you. In response to Lynn's sharing with us this morning, I'd like to invite us into a time of prayer together. And we'll begin by saying together one of the most common prayers that we um, say with Christians around the world, um, the Lord's Prayer. Um, we'll use the older traditional language as well as the phrase, um, forgive us our debts. And once we have said that together, I will continue to lead us in prayer. So let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Gracious God, 
giver of all life, you have called us to celebrate the great diversity that we find in the body of Christ. We give you thanks this morning for Sister Lynn and the Holy Wisdom Monastery and her words to us this morning. While we give thanks for the many Christian traditions that thrive around the world, we also confess that we are not unified as one church. Help us to be reminded that we can learn from one another. Help us to listen to one another. Grant us the humility to recognize that we need each other as we strive to follow in the way of Jesus. May we see you at work in the many churches of the world, and we pray today for your people throughout this planet. We particularly remember this morning the church in India and other countries where Christians are experiencing persecution. May we continually strive to work for a world where there is no persecution of any kind. Open our eyes to the injustices that exist within your body, O Christ. We pray for those who have been excluded from your community of believers, for those who have been hurt by the church. God of hope, heal our divisions. Heal the wounds we inflict upon one another. This morning, we also pray for the many people of faith who are gathering in Columbus, Georgia this weekend to call for the closing of the School of the Americas. Be with the group of students who are going from here to join the vigil. We pray that our government might hear our voices as we cry out on behalf of the communities of Latin America that have been ravaged by our military's policies and destroyed by soldiers who are trained here in the United States. God of justice, you know firsthand what it is to be tortured and killed. Empower us to be persistent in our cries that this is to happen no longer. Bring your peace to our world, O oh God, and guide us as we strive to be faithful followers of you in whatever ways we are called to be. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I now invite you to stand and join together in a closing benediction. I'll read the leader part, and I invite you to follow, respond with Jesus, now lead on. From where we are to where you need us, Jesus, now lead on. From the security of what we know to the adventure of what you will reveal, Jesus, now lead on. To refashion the fabric of this world until it resembles the shape of your kingdom. Jesus, now lead on. Because good things have been prepared for those who love God. Jesus, now lead on. Amen. Go in peace.